You know, it's funny you should ask that. Okay. I was just sitting here deep in thought. Uh, had a great chat with Little D last night, our 19-year-old college student daughter. Um, and uh, I was reminded uh, that the ages between like 18 and 25, 27, depending on who you are and the way you look, a whole lot of crap happens. Oh, oh, unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, and I was reminded of how stressful a lot of it is. And I'm not going to tell tales out of school, so to speak, but you think about young people coming together and breaking apart, and then sometimes, sometimes people, you know, get pregnantish and just all sorts of uh, sure. drama and. And it's it's stressful. Well, yeah, you change for for a lot of people. You change a bunch of very serious relationships, right? You change a number of jobs, and you know th- those early jobs are just so intense because you're trying to figure out who you are and what everything is, and, and am I going to do this right. the rest of my life? I was going to say enormous levels of uncertainty about right. everything. Yeah, yeah, and just so anyway, I was, I was reminded of that. And then you know, so she'll say, "What's up with you guys?" And Judy and I look at each other, and you know, it, as long as you're healthy, reasonably healthy. And there's, like, not a financial disaster. You know, at this point in my life, it's like, yeah, we're good. We're good. We went to uh, the place the other day. That was fun. <laughs> and we did the thing, and we ate some of the, the food. And we... Tri-tips were on sale, so that <laughs> right? was really nice. Exactly. We averted disaster and saved another $3.50 toward retirement, honey. That's how we're doing. Yeah. It seems a little sad. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, the the intensity of life. I thought about that something the other day. A passage of time. A, a number of years had gone by since something, and I thought, geez, when I was twenty years old, mm. four years at that time meant four different towns, five different serious relationships, right? You know, all these different like things. Nine hundred and fifty pages of your autobiography. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, for me, the last three years, nah, maybe Not, a paragraph. I'm, I'm wearing the same clothes I was wearing yeah, three yeah. years ago today. <laughs> in and, the same town, in the I same moved. car. Then I moved a couple of miles to a different house, and that was annoying because moving's annoying. And then you know the end of chapter. Anyway, so, so we like, shout out to our younger listeners. You you you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Um, unless uh, you're not. Unless you're not, then you won't be. Uh, we like Ben Sass around here. He's a. Uh, I've got such a man crush on him. He's such a bromance. Senator from Nebraska, Republican. Gave a great speech during the whole Kavanaugh thing about Congress isn't doing its job, which is why the Supreme Court gets so much attention. Just right. really great. Yeah, just absolutely kicked himself and all his colleagues. And, and talked about the squabbles and the fighting over meaningless things and how it's just a waste of time. So and much how it's it. about politics and not trying to run the country in a way that's good for the people. Anyway, he's got a new book out about loneliness and a variety of things and here's a little bit of him being interviewed on a morning joe senator a big chunk of the book them is about us it is about the news business uh do you buy into the proposition that donald trump wakes up every day and plays us to the hilt and laughs at us the way we react to him uh i think he's really good at it Uh, i think the president is a really good marketer and he understands how to drive news cycles like probably nobody else in u.s history has and i think one of the most fundamental things that's happening as you go to 500 channels per household i think 93 percent of american households now have access to 500 or more channels it means that we don't have anything in common and so when people are playing for cable news they're mostly just playing for an intensification and a deepening of the base they already have in the 1950s i love lucy 
had a 70% share. It wasn't important content, but it was shared content. If Mike, you and I got in a fight about politics, we would still have Lucy and Desi as common grammar. We could go back to about the stupid thing he did last Ricky night. Now, she was pregnant and had to pee all night and it was painful, whatever. Um, there was always something in common. Today, the most watched cable news programming in America is Hannity at 3.2, 3.5 million viewers. That's 1% of the public. And so right now, there is no 70% conversation. And I think the president is pretty good at puppet mastering, getting the media to have a new frenzy every four to 24 hours. And that doesn't help us four to 24 years from now. Them is trying to talk about the habits we need to build for our kids for four to 24 years from now. Well, that's good stuff. He's got a lot of stuff in his book about the changes that have occurred so rapidly. That's that's what I'm always amazed at is there's always been change. But when is when have societies changed this fast? Never, never. Absolutely not. And unless it was, you know, some one time cataclysm, you know, some volcano erupts and buries you in lava. But that's like the only yeah, you get example. In, you get invaded by another country and all of a sure, sudden you're the speaking. Mongol horde comes through town. Yeah, that'll change things. <laughs> But so he's got a number of things. Um, uh, we were talking yesterday about how Ben Sass points out that we have half as many friends as we did even in the 80s. People have half as many actual close personal friends. Mm-hmm. That can't possibly be good. No. Even though we're, we have way more, more opportunity for connection, obviously. We have more Facebook friends. I have so many more retweets than I used to have, though. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another stat that's interesting. Uh, Sass says, I was born in the 70s. The average duration at a particular job was two and a half decades for the primary breadwinner. So 25 years on average. Average duration today is 4.2 years and getting shorter. Wow. That's a massive change in the structure of life and society. Speaking about being in your 20s, your whole life will be like it was for older people now. It was in your 20s, changing the this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. All kinds of ways that things have changed so fast. Boy, and that 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 lack of a common thing to talk about or be into, music, TV shows, movies, anything, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't know what you do about that. The quality of TV shows has gone way up. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. I do miss the day that we'd come in on a Thursday morning and everybody was talking about, did you see blank last night? Sure. Yeah, that's the arts part of culture, and that absolutely matters. I'm... I'm thinking about some of the other parts of culture, common uh, political attitudes, where 50% of it, 70% of it, we all agree on, and then it's just nudging the ship of state right or left that we might differ on. But, I mean, why in the world would you get angry at and be screeching at somebody over a very small percentage of, of disagreement? I think that's changed. Um, as both parties have moved left distinctly left but the lefties have moved leftier um yeah there's there are a lot of examples the, I, I, the, I think we're a troubled people the most common experience for all americans right now i think without a doubt is the trump story whether you're pleased by it or hate it the trump show the trump show yeah everybody's watching the trump show mm-hmm. and so i don't know i don't know if you know if that's good that a controversial political thing is our only shared experience. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting distinction that he made about Lucy, how it was not important content, but the fact that it was so shared made it kind of important. And if if the number one thing that everybody kind of defaults to talking to all the time is this really heavy, intellectual, complex, international, you know, how we work diplomacy with nations or immigration policies, 
I think we need those simple things to kind of just lighten the load. Yeah, I wonder, it might be in a way that nobody's ever really understood or, or been able to map, but if you like watching Lucy and I like watching Lucy, okay, now we've got in our in our minds something is firmed up about we're on the same team, and it can only get so out of whack right. from there. If you don't have that at all... You watch your shows, I watch my shows, and only a weirdo like you would watch those shows. Yeah. Well, um, then, then, then we we start as 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 people that are different. Well, to pivot off of Sean's point, because the complexity and seriousness of the Trump show is one aspect of it, but I would argue that what's more important is that that show is designed to make us angry at each other, not designed by Trump necessarily. Uh, but designed by Trump and the uh, all the alphabet networks and all the the political activists, the ratings go and up. And the trolls and the Russians and the rest of it. Yeah, the ratings go up if they make you mad or scared. Right. The angrier we get at the only show we all watch, the more we watch it. That's interesting because yeah, because there is no benefit in I Love Lucy or The Sopranos or whatever everybody was watching in making you mad or scared. Really. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you do about this. I, well, you know, my, my view is to go back before the Internet. Take away <laughs> the Internet. Unplug the Internet. <laughs> Unplug it. Where just is it plugged in? Somebody find it. Plug it in a big room in Washington, D.C., I assume. It's tubes, right? We can just clog up those tubes. Series of tubes. Just got to unplug it. Throw rocks in the tubes. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. People were talking about uh, using Seinfeld as a, a point. Yeah, that was the last one maybe that I remember as 20 years ago, where pretty much the whole country was watching. We're talking about it. At least 20 years, wasn't it? Went out. I went off in 98, I think. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, I had my decade long. But holy cow. Yeah. Anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, we're going to mock people who play the lottery, among other things. No, we're not. <laughs> Coming up. It's a little harmless entertainment. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm going to try to remember to watch The Connors tonight as they've renamed the Roseanne Show since she's no longer on it. She dies tonight of an opioid overdose, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Story uh, about uh, tennis player Jimmy Connors, right? Exactly. Um, one other th- Oh, we got this text. I bought a new Jeep. It's white, but it says Cherokee, so I named it Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> I'm guessing that's a joke that's making the rounds. An excellent one. Well done. Well played. <laughs> the lotto's up to $8 trillion or whatever it is up to now, a giant number. And uh, what, how does this work here, Sean? So I believe this is from the folks at Business Insider. They did a bit of a man-on-the-street test where uh, they were testing the, the philosophy of regret avoidance. And they what they were doing... Regret avoidance. Yeah, huh. so the fear of regret... I've done poorly at that. Yeah, makes yeah, people... No as I have careened from guardrail to guardrail <laughs> in my life, and back and forth. So that theory is, if you are you're trying to avoid future regret, you you can often make illogical decisions in the moment. Well, that that is really interesting. God, if somebody wow, had pitched, wait a minute, if somebody had pitched economics to me in a better way, I might have become an economics major. 
I was ready for, for funny, not heavy. So that's, that's really interesting. So the way they tested this out is they went to uh, a newsstand and people bought lottery tickets. And then immediately after they purchased the tickets, they offered to buy those tickets from them for more than they just paid for them. Sometimes as much as twice as much, even though the, the person could then just turn around and buy twice as many lotto tickets with the sure. exact same numbers. So here's the, uh, here's the experiment as it played out. Ain't nowhere in the world I'm going to sell my tickets. I should have cut that out. The anticipation <laughs> of future regret weighs so heavily on us. It impacts our decision making and often causes us to make irrational choices. To really test regret avoidance, we're going to go outside and try to buy people's lottery tickets for more than they paid. But people are not always rational. Did you just buy a, lo- a Powerball ticket? Yes, I did. Um, would you be willing to sell me your ticket? No, I'm not. What about for more than you paid for it? No, I'm not. This is the winning ticket. How much did you spend on Just 10. Can I buy it from you? No. <laughs> what about for more than $10? But you could buy twice as many tickets. Okay, but if you have to make a deal. Just Judy told me to put it in writing, so I will put it in writing. And you have $700 million? What if I offered you twice what you paid for it? You have $700 million? You're going to buy it from me for $4? Okay, deal. And then I'll go back and buy two more tickets? Here you go, sir. Deal. Thank you very much. Thank you. No. But you could buy twice as many tickets. I don't know. Something, something tells me something good about these numbers right here. When I win, you can interview me again. Ah, uh, no. What about for $15? Ah, uh, no. No, I'm going to take my chances. They're random picks, and I'm going to take my shot. you got to be in it to win it. No. $20? No. $20? Okay, sure. No. I paid $6 for the ticket. Can I buy your ticket from you? Away in the world. What about if I gave you $10? No, 10 is you out your mind. So I talked to 14 people who were buying Powerball tickets. 11 of them refused to sell me their tickets, even when offered twice as much as they paid for them. Overall, we learned that most people are not willing to part with their tickets, even if they haven't looked at them yet. I find that borderline terrifying. <laughs> I yeah I I know I'm a fun sucker. I think the lottery is bad for society. Powerball. I guess as a libertarian, I should be for whatever we decide we want to do. That's fine, but I just don't think it's good for anybody on any level. Um, well, you can be against something, but not be for banning it at and, the point of the government's gone. And the, then the money goes to the government, and then they waste it on crap. So right. I mean, there's just there's no upside to it. Um, the dream, Jack. The dream is the upside. How about you want to play this Disney remote after you watch the Powerball? The dream of sudden, <laughs> unearned wealth that will ruin your life. Right, almost. And alienate you from every relationship you have. Yeah, that's the payoff is that all kinds of studies have been done, and most of the time it makes people miserable. And so, make you a magnet for every criminal, con artist, and scammer within 5,000 miles. So one, your chance of winning is almost zero, and two, if you do win, the most likely thing is it makes you unhappy. Mm-hmm. So step right up. Um, uh, I liked the guy in there who, who clearly had that superior, I'm picturing the comic book store guy from the Simpsons. Do you have $700 million? I mean, he <laughs> well, had twice what you paid. Do you have $700 million? Like he's, he's the one making the clearly intellectual, logical right. argument. He's the chess master. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting. Human nature is interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and I'm sure I've got plenty of those. Not around lottery tickets that I probably do myself, and I don't even realize it. The myth of the rational voter. Beware of regret avoidance. So that's that's interesting. We do things that are bad for us to try to avoid regret in the future. Well, I'd have to noodle that through and oh, see God, which, I would, yeah. which cases I've done Sorry. that. 
Yeah, I would have to go through like 20 decisions I've made recently and try to figure out if they factored in. Would that be like staying in a bad job out of fear or, a, or, 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 or settling in a relationship out of fear or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And, and you know, anybody who's been involved in a long-term relationship knows there can be some pretty significant differences between people in terms of their risk tolerance. You know, a good example of that is shopping. If there's like three items left on the shelf, you don't think they're going to have it next time. I don't need to buy it now, but I'm going to go ahead and spend my money right now just to make sure that they don't run out. I'm not sure I've ever had that experience. What, like paper towel or what? No, <laughs> well, I mean, I do the 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 uh, the best wipes that they've got at Target. Oh. They're always out of them, so I buy yeah. all of them. Everybody yeah. does it. Yeah. Wasp spray was that way at Home Depot. I don't know if it still is. Back really? when I had wasp problems, it just uh, disappeared immediately. So if they had any, you bought it all. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's further exacerbating the problem. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. I like to cat. Capture wasps and relay, ro- relocate. I think them. you're supposed to now. New state law or something like that. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Just screw with that. You're supposed to give them a name and an education and relocate them. <laughs> exactly. Give them health care even if they flew over the border. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So uh, speaking of fabulous uh, progressive progress, a biological male who identifies as a transgender woman won a woman's world championship cycling event on Sunday. Rachel McKinnon, who's a professor, how perfect is that, won the women's sprint at the uh, Masters Track Cycling World Championships in Los Angeles. And nobody stopped to say, you can't compete in this because you're a guy? McKinnon celebrated the victory on Twitter, writing, first transgender woman world champion ever. Take a look at the picture as this, in every way, male-looking fella who towers over the second and third place winners, uh, celebrates her victory. Well, there are some pretty, you know, masculinely built actual women. Look at the legs. Um, But, yeah. Well, yeah, he's clearly got a physical advantage. The fact, to me, though, I don't care. There are a lot of women, like I said. Look at, you know, pro sports, whether it's uh, tennis and Serena Williams or basketball and WNBA or whatever. It's the fact that he's got testicles and a penis, to me, is the real, is the real thing. Whether he's slight of build or, or, or giant. Right. That's why he shouldn't be competing in the women's. Right. And I, I believe the whole trans thing is a thing, but for sports purposes. Yeah. McKinnon in January was quoted in USA Today arguing against requiring biological males to suppress testosterone as a requirement for competing against women. I tell you what, you you utopians, your ability to suspend your logic and to argue in favor of something that is clearly Looney Tunes is is really amazing to me. It's really it's it's practically awe inspiring. And how does that guy in him or or cow call him a woman? How does that woman? How does she enjoy that? We cannot have a woman legally recognized as a trans woman in society and not be recognized that way in sports, she says. I think you can, actually. Hmm. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, the search for Koshagi's rogue killers takes another ominous turn. Big Pharma may have to come clean on drug prices. And you get the pig, I'll take the ring. Ariana and Peter dividing up the assets. Oh, boy. One of them has a lot more assets than the other. So they're cutting Piggy Smalls in half? Uh Uh-oh. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's amazing how much irrationality there is around the the lottery. We we got a, a number of texts that uh, us mentioning that it's up to some record number 
started the office pool going and everybody got in. Because when the number reaches a certain number, people are more play a lot more. Even if they get into a pool that will then divide the number to a number that it is on a regular basis. Right. Just, just interesting. Right, yeah. Yeah, good point. So one final uh, quote from this uh, transgender world champion bicyclist who is just so clearly biologically a dude and, and whooped all the woman's butts in that bike race. Focusing on performance advantage is largely irrelevant because this is a rights issue. We shouldn't be worried about trans people taking over the Olympics. We should be worried about their fairness and human rights instead. That's crazy. This is bigger than sports. It's about human rights, which is one of the greatest examples I've ever seen of people's ideology clearly trumping their ability to think with any sort of of, of logic. So a little girl who spent all her free time her entire life working at whatever sport. How about the fairness toward her? Dude wanders in, says, yeah, I'm identifying as a woman. I mean, literally. This, she's, he, she is pre-op, doesn't believe in suppressing testosterone, etc. It's a rights issue. I mean, that's just the absurdity of that. If you were to poll 100,000 Americans on that, what percentage do you, would you think would say, that's loony? That's crazy. It's got to be 90 plus. Oh, absolutely. Maybe 98 plus. Absolutely. Um, and we got this, which will lead us into the news. Is it just me or did PG&E just kick us back to developing country status? Yeah, I think so. Let's get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. Along those lines, California utilities are slowly, slowly restoring power to tens of thousands of customers after intentionally cutting it yesterday in a move they say would prevent the possibility of sparks from power lines arcing and causing wildfires during high winds. Let me quote Dawn. I live in the backcountry in San Diego County. When a bird farts out here, they shut the power off. We've been doing it for years now since the witch fire. Welcome to our world. We had the power shut down last year on October 3rd for three days when the wow. Santa Ana winds were blowing. Wow. Thank you to the power company. Uh, we don't mention in public here in San Diego the four-letter power company, SDG&E. Wow. Well, Bastards. Geez, if they're going to shut you down for days for, for and days, time, and you'd yeah. have to get a generator, I mean, because... Generally, power outages are a couple hours, and then they rarely happen. Here in America, we can't have power infrastructure that can take a wind. What are we supposed to do? God, we're the greatest superpower on Earth, and we got to shut down the power when it's windy. Yeah. That's absurd. And there was uh, some... And, And they've got gigantic profits. There was some movement by somebody yesterday, because our a couple of radio stations were on, got flooded with calls from people complaining about this and it wasn't it it seemed orchestrated i don't know what the um i don't know who who put it together what they're hoping to accomplish maybe just raising awareness yeah a little pressure campaign good for them yeah Yeah, pg and e shutting down power to the most customers in and around northern california other utilities as you noted sdg and e cut power to uh, customers and now the word is southern california edison may start doing the same during high wind events. Southern California Edison. Is so, this to try to force politicians to do something? or Because this, is, this has not happened in our nation's history. Um, we, we have all counted on being able to have electricity for right. 
half, three quarters of a century, longer, depending on where you live. Well, it's regardless it's, of the weather. It's a lawyer liability political pressure maneuver. Right. It's got to be. So I wonder if the pressure. All right, all right. We'll hold you totally harmless, no matter what you right. do, how many people you kill, how many houses you burn down through your negligence. If you'll stop shutting off our power, it's got to be that. Yeah. yeah, you have to pass legislation that says we're not liable or we're going to keep doing this. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. it's and there pressure. are various pieces of legislation kicking around yes. in California that have to do with those questions. And that's some hardball. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of hardball, Turkey's state-run news agency said the Saudi Council to Istanbul has left for Saudi Arabia hours after Turkey said his official residence would be searched in connection with the Saudi writer's disappearance. Left the country. Flew out of the country on a 2 p.m. flight. Saudi Arabia has no immediate comment on his departure. And you've got Congress saying... We're going to pass tough sanctions on Saudi Arabia with a two-thirds of the House and the Senate that the president can't even veto if he wants to. Right. Lindsey Graham saying they need to get a new leader in Saudi Arabia. What right. is going on behind the scenes there? Yeah, there that's could be people question. being stabbed right now at two Bruta, Brutus oh, yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. God knows who's getting hauled into the higher regency uh, this weekend. Right. Yeah, MBS and now might... it's not exactly a convenient time to be changing horses there, or camels. Probably more appropriate. Uh, MBS might be holed up somewhere with, with, with his armed guards around him, and other guys are trying to get together whatever military people will back them. Right, right. This is some real Game of Thrones stuff, Making man. the argument, right. yeah, we got to push yeah. MBS out. The American government is saying they can't deal with him anymore. He's out. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Sure I am. <laughs> well, I got to oh, tell boy. you, the Saudi council flying back to Saudi Arabia has got to be sweating bullets right now. Oh, yeah. No matter what side he's on. I wonder if they bought the, brought their bone saw with them. Oh, jeez. All right, another news. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson have called it quits, as we've told you, and that usually means dividing up the assets, or in their case, a super expensive engagement ring and a pet pig. Butchering the assets, if you will. So yesterday I made the mistake of saying her... million apartment? It's a $64 million apartment. They're sharing a $64 million apartment? What's that, two bedrooms? Is is there such a thing? They got the washer dryer inside, or they got to go downstairs to the basement? (laughs) It's got service, but it's it's full, fluff and fold, yeah. (laughs) Sources close to Ariana says says she's already returned the nearly $100,000 engagement ring Davidson gave her back in June. It was a uh, three-carat diamond set in platinum, one-of-a-kind, made especially for Grande. And uh, we are told now that Piggy Smalls, the couple's teacup pig they adopted last month, is actually owned by Ariana. She bought the pig. It was really hers from the get-go, so she's keeping it. So she gave him back the ring. She keeps the pig. Well, she bought the pig is the name of my new bluegrass album. <laughs> still in, uh, still working on the mandolin parts. Well, as he said on Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks ago, we split up. Was she going to get half of my tennis shoes? I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have anything. Um, <laughs> and she said, "Okay, I'll, I'll keep the pig. You can have your hundred thousand dollar ring back." Pete Davidson said, "Deal," and we split. <laughs> right. So apparently they split up because her ex boyfriend, the rapper, died of a drug overdose right. a few weeks back. She was inconsolable, according to all tabloid reports, canceled a couple of concerts, and his reaction to her um, being so broken up over it caused a problem, which I can imagine how it would. I mean, you want to be 
you want to be nice. You know, she's built up. She she still has some affection for him. How much affection for you guys? You're for falling, how long? For how long you're <laughs> yeah, falling yeah. completely apart here? You don't talk about anything but how much you miss your ex boyfriend. Yeah. How how long right. are you going to go on about the death of your ex boyfriend? Right. Here? Here's a prediction. And how sad am I supposed to be about it? How sad <laughs> am I supposed to act? Yeah. I didn't know the guy. All I know is he used to get with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's my prediction. Those two crazy kids get back together again. I think so, too. I That's a so. hell of a tough minefield to go through relationship-wise. I get that, especially if you're both half nuts. Um, but, you know, once that anger and pain and all dies down, they'll get back together again. We can only hope. For about six weeks. We can only hope. She <laughs> said she needed somebody more mature, which could be true. Yep. I mean, that's part of his whole act is how immature he is. Pop sure. quiz, who's older between the two of them? Well, Isn't she 25 and he's 24? Very good. I'm I'm impressed. What you know, the hell? That's, wow. that's the sort of thing you shouldn't know. Yes. What, I, what I should I know. Ashamed of yourself. What yeah. I should know is the pin to access my bank account. <laughs> but what I do know is the ages of those two. Wow. What's your ex-boyfriend's name? The uh, Mac di- Miller, the decedent. Mac, yeah. Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Yeah. All right. She unfortunately, and this happens with people. She's blaming herself for him killing himself, and he didn't have anything to do with it. He was a junkie, and, you know, some trouble was going to send him that direction. Possibly. He wasn't going to be alive if you hadn't broken up with him. Yeah, it's too bad people fall into that trap. Oh, yeah, codependency. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation fly free. But, you know, at some point, she woke up crying and still sad. We're still sad about this. This has, like, been a week. How long are we going to just sit around the apartment moping about this? Right. I'm sorry he's gone, but he's gone. Do you want to go to Central Park or not? we got to walk the pig. <laughs> the pig hasn't been out of the house in days. All right. You're, uh, you're an AA guy. You tell me whether this is a funny joke. You are so codependent. That's why I drink. Is that a funny That's pretty joke? Good. That's pretty funny. That would be that'd be a tough one to get around. Um, so it's your codependency that makes me want to get drunk. So Stormy Daniels, things haven't worked out the way she was hoping. Her and her lawyer. We've got the update on that. It's a rough putting... day for porn, Jack. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. some texts from people who are affected by this whole uh, PG&E shutting down their power thing. Well, an SDG&E and SoCal uh, Edison. So, okay. That's interesting. More on that coming up a little bit later. This is quite the power play, if you'll pardon the expression. I will not. Please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show the delightful Elisa Vbeck, Washington Post Enterprise and Investigations reporter, focused on politics, talking about the, uh, the latest from the Stormy Daniels defamation <laughs> lawsuit against Donald Trump. I am only dignifying this story, Elise, because you're on it. Oh, I appreciate that, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So what's the latest in Stormy and her pal Michael Avenatti's quest for justice? 
Oh, great question. Well, in fact, if uh, any of your listeners are tuned to Twitter, they will see a fight unfolding as we speak at the moment between Trump, Stormy Daniels, and Michael Avenatti. Okay, Twitter Twitter bring, bring that up guys, on the screen. we got to see that. I know. Oh, <laughs> well, I know you guys run a family show, so there are certain things that I just can't say here. But uh, Trump does call Stormy Daniels horse face. Uh, Stormy Daniels comes back at him. I'll, I'll let you guys take a look at that. Wow. Horse face. Wow. I know. We're going to be talking about that one for a while. But the reason that they're going back and forth uh, this morning is that a judge uh, threw out Stormy Daniels' secondary lawsuit against Trump last night. And that's the suit claiming that he defamed her when he suggested she was lying about being threatened to keep quiet about their alleged relationship. I know that's kind of a, a weird matrix of things to keep track of, but you'll remember Stormy Daniels has basically claimed, of course, that she was involved with Trump for a brief period in 2006, and that five years later she was threatened by a man in Las Vegas who told her to keep quiet about it. Trump called that a con job, quote-unquote, on Twitter, and she used that tweet as the basis for a defamation suit that has now been tossed out of court in what is a pretty big win for Trump. Wow. Michael Avenatti has said, can you scroll down there? He said, you're a disgusting misogynist and an embarrassment to the United States. That's his opening line to Trump. Um, well, Trump's, uh, Trump's horse face reference is, uh, federal judge throws, throws out Stormy Daniels' lawsuit versus Trump. Trump is entitled to full legal fees. Great. Now I can go after horse face and her third-rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. Oh, boy. That's oh, right. that's, that's the, uh, the uh, confidentiality agreement. Right. And uh, Stormy Daniels is a resident of the state of Texas. Uh, We're not quite sure how he might retaliate in that state, as he uh, is suggesting there. Um, Michael Avenatti has already uh, appealed the judge's decision to toss the defamation case to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Legal experts are very skeptical uh, that his case can survive uh, another ruling. Uh, You know, the judge last night basically made the argument that uh, what Trump said, calling this claim by Stormy Daniels a quote-unquote con job, is protected political speech under the First Amendment. And that's what most people see it. Because he's a politician, like if I said that, would I be in, I'd be in trouble, but he's not because he's a politician? Uh in some sense, yes. Uh, they basically said that it's important for the office of the president to be protected in terms of what the president says. Uh, and the judge also noted that Stormy Daniels has sort of raised her profile as a political adversary of Trump. I noticed which, that. <laughs> right, which puts their back and forth directly in the realm of political speech, which is protected. That's the judge's argument uh, here. That's interesting, yeah, because at the point that she is a... Uh a uh, part of a political movement, which she and Avenatti clearly are, and he's talking about running for president. Yeah, then, then, then you can say practically anything. Why do you think he called her horse face? <laughs> you know, your guess is as good as mine on that one. Uh, we do know that she is uh, an accomplished equestrian, um, but mm. I have no idea. If she doesn't have a horsey connected. face, in my opinion. All right. Elise, I'm sorry. I'm very Don't sorry. Don't worry about it. Elise Vivek of the Washington Post is online. I am going to bid you a farewell before my partner embarrasses you any further. Not at all. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's, it's always great to talk. Let's do it at greater length next time. Um, I, that's you know, you're, I, you're really, really, really embarrassing. That's not the kind of insult I would go with with anybody. But she's not a horsey faced person. Some people are horsey faced. Horsey? You think so? Okay, no, I don't see it that. But way. I wouldn't. I would not call anybody that. How about calling somebody Carey, repeatedly? Una- <laughs> how about calling somebody unattractive that you you slept with? 
repeatedly cheating on your own wife. I mean, that just seems like a weird move. It's a bit of a self-own in the internet parlance where you say yeah. something and it kind of makes fun of yourself by doing it. Like Creepy you're... porn lawyers blasted back. Could you please inform uh, blah, 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 your evangelical friends uh, and the rest of America how many porn stars you had unprotected sex with while married with children and then subsequently paid off? Of course, that's a bit of a cell phone in which he implies that his beloved client and close friend Stormy Daniels is somehow a risk to get the giggity goose from. The giggity goose. I mean, you can't trot her out as some trot, sorry, as some, you know, bastion of, of uh, the resistance and then suggest that how could you have sex with a skank? Well, that's it. The whole thing has always seemed so weird to me in the, that from that angle in that, okay, my person... The person I'm representing, who is a porn star who sleeps with rich married men she's disgusted by to try to get something from, right. which you could call a whore, sure, um, uh, is now a better person because he was married and has a kid and he slept with my person. The fact that he slept with the person I'm representing makes my person elevated. Is I just don't get the logic of that. Exactly. That's some complicated calculus right there. Um, tens I mean, of it's millions disgusting of... on both ends to do what they did. He wanted sex. She wanted money slash fame. Uh, he says uh, they're equal. Uh, Avenatti says they're equally tired of your attacks on women, especially the ones you had sex with while cheating on your wives with a baby at home. How many other women did you cheat on with your wife while you had a baby at home? Okay, Stormy uh, has tweeted, Sean. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, may I present your president. In addition to his um, shortcomings, he has demonstrated his incompetence, hatred of women, and lack of self-control on Twitter. Again, all caps. And perhaps a penchant for bestiality. Game on, tiny. <laughs> so she drops another. He's got a short penis reference. Boy, this is really devolved. And it, <laughs> Wow. Who guessed it could have? <laughs> How can you go downward when you start in the muck pit? Was, oh, was the bestiality giggity, reference giggity. the bestiality reference the horse face thing? Yeah. You think How I have odd. a face like a horse? That's why you're into me. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty 